Good evening, everybody, or morning or afternoon or whatever. It doesn't matter. We are Graveyard Tales. Now, if you like ghost stories, hauntings, cryptid encounters, and the weird history behind them, then you should join us in the graveyard. You can find us on any of your favorite podcast providers. Check out our website at graveyardpodcast.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at GRV. I just go search Graveyard Tales. That would be easier. Now we hope to see you in the graveyard. Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is According to an Idiot. I am your host, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, we never start off straight into introductions. We always do the bibble babble first. Bibble babble? Yeah. What, what the hey? Well, hold, hold on a second. Well, hey, now I had a whole what? intro plan. Oh, oh shoot. <laughs> then I, I, we're going to do it anyway. I'm like, I don't know. You don't know who I am yet. <laughs> she's, she's a mystery. You have to listen to find out. I just, I just, she could be anybody. I just got a big whiff of my feet because I'm not wearing shoes because I'm inside because I'm a civilized person. Are you um, uh, Are you wearing socks? I am wearing socks, but they're... They cannot contain it, the smell. Yeah, they can't contain the smell because I've had sweaty feet. It's a really hot day today. It was. Um, but my smelly feet made me think of the time I was flying to Vancouver Last week, and I took off my shoes, and they <laughs> So you stunk up an airplane too. <laughs> stuck up an airplane. Yeah, yeah. Because when you when you get a stink in an airplane, that you're it's pressurized, you can't let that out. Right. Yeah. And I I took off my shoes, you know, unbeknownst to anyone. The foot ninja sneaking those puppies up. The dogs were barking, and yeah. you let them off they the were, leash. I, I was not about to sit on a five hour plane flight with, with some shoes on. You know what I mean? Like, I nah, know what you I, mean. I gotta curl up like a armadillo the worst animal you could have said uh <laughs> leathery and brown yeah that's like, like my your, feet like your feet like my feet like your feet on an airplane All so right. kaylee that's her name by the way kaylee hi yes uh you may know her from her previous work in the other episodes of this show you also may have met me in vancouver because i was just there and i'm i'm determined to keep this segment going this vancouver segment so uh <laughs> kaylee what, what was vancouver like what do how what uh so do how um mm. I, I do because i wanted to and but I, how <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to do at least one like international trip a year last year it was thailand but yeah vancouver's beautiful and i also went over to victoria which was also gorgeous i did like a lot of hiking uh you know little things like that because i'm a big nature person do you see any animals that aren't from our parts, which our parts being, you know, the Midwest? Well, I saw bears. You saw a bear? What kind of bear, <gasps> I saw. I saw two bears, two grizzly bears. What, what? Bears are my favorite animal, and I, like, wanted to cry. It was so gorgeous. Well, bears will, like, they won't just, like, murder you. They will make you disappear. Well, it depends on the bear. Grizzly bears. Grizzly bears, yeah. Grizzly bears will attack you. They're the more aggressive one. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the ones where you want to play dead. Yeah. Black bears are the scaredy cats. Those are like my favorite kind of bears. We have those in Michigan, right? Yeah, we have black bears. So those are the ones you want to be loud with. And if they come up to you, then you want to... And then they'll like... I don't know. 
those are the ones like you see like a, a lot of videos with like dogs dogs chasing away black bears yeah yeah, it, yeah, yeah scaredy yeah. cats when you say be loud i put your like how you doing name's jeremy yeah pretty much what's like, your line of work yeah i how saw many, how many bears are there there are lots there's grizzly bears there's black bears brown there's bears. brown no brown bears are the same as grizzlies nope browns are different uh, i don't know i don't um, know either there's panda bears there's right. sun bears Oh, yeah. I'm not sure the ugly ones. They're, There's polar bears. They look like they're in pain all the time. Polar bears, they're white. Uh, polar bears are the ones that will go out of their way to fuck you up. It's because they live in, like, the Arctic, and they don't have friends. Right, and then as soon as they see something interesting, they're like, I have to kill it. Right, because they just live on an iceberg. immediately. You know, it's like a cat, like those little cat toys with the jingly thing on the end. You're the jingly thing, and then the cat is the polar bear. Okay. There you go. <laughs> wow. Truly are a writer at heart. <laughs> But yeah, no, it was absolutely beautiful there. British Columbia is gorgeous. There's so many mountains, so many forests. It's like parks on every freaking block there. Would recommend to anyone who likes forests, mountains, nice weather, Tim Hortons. That applies to, I think, most people and most bears. Yeah. So anyways, welcome to the podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm Kaylee. I am your hostess with the mostest. And I'm going to tell you creepy stuff. Oh, boy. Have you heard the news about the new cryptid? What? Came out in Richmond, Virginia. Have okay. you heard about this? No, I actually haven't. Okay, so there's a new supposed cryptid that's going around, and it's in Richmond specifically. One morning, 60 people woke up to find old television sets just sitting on their porches or lawns. Mm. Some people had security cameras. Yes. And what they found was that a person in a jumpsuit with a TV on their head, was delivering huh. all of these old okay. televisions onto these people's lawns. What What is the, um? actually, I could probably pop that up on Google. What's the definition of a cryptid? I think it's like an unidentified animal Because technically that might, that might really be a cryptid by definition. You know what of I mean? course I mean, it's it is. clearly a man, but it could just be a different race of like television humanoid. It's definitely a hybrid of some sort. Maybe it's one of those like, oh no, I accidentally had sex with my TV. Am I going to have this came out later? Yeah. <laughs> I Am had I gonna... sex with my TV 20 years ago and this showed up my doorstep. <laughs> I I used to actually get scared of that stuff. Like on YouTube when you see like the little ads, this woman had sex with a dog and this is what came out. And you're like, man, I really need to stop having sex with dogs. I know. It looks like there's actually a consequence to this. Right. It's like, and you I don't create know. a new cryptid. What if you, oh, wouldn't that be insane if like you were the father of Bigfoot? I don't know. What, what would create a Bigfoot? There is like a condition where you grow hair, mm-hmm. excessive hair all over your body. Like there's just no control mechanism. It's called being Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it says here that a cryptid is just an animal whose existence is unsubstantiated. So I, I think the TV boy, Panasonic the Hedgehog, that's his name. All we got to do is find samples of his feces, and then we can confirm it's a new species. What would a TV poop? Batteries. Uh, yeah, but TV's typically plugged in. Yeah. His genitalia would definitely be like an HDMI cable. Have you encountered this cryptid? I will not Please. be taking any further questions. <laughs> Please mark on this dummy where the <laughs> television has touched you. He, in the HDMI port. <laughs> hey, on the topic of animals, I found something like really interesting. You might not find it interesting. I might not find it interesting. <laughs> Have you ever heard of veneries? No. Oh, boy. I want to I tell you about this. It's called Terms of Venery. 
And venery is an archaic word for hunting. We're talking like the Middle Ages. Okay. Back when people would hunt things. Mm-hmm. They still hunt things, but back then they would hunt them <laughs> more with more yeah with Bigger, terms with yeah. terms. So what they would do is back in the Middle Ages, it was kind of cool and of high class to know the names of groups of animals, like a herd of cow. Okay, herd of cow, right? A herd of cow, I think. Yeah, herd of cow. Yeah, a murder. A murder of cows. <laughs> Crows. You got it. Yeah. These are all lesser known versions of those. Okay. And there's some there's some quality ones. Good ones, yes. yeah. Give right, me that so juice. I'm gonna rapid fire and you take what sticks. Almost all of these are outdated and nonsensical. A cl- <laughs> a clouder of cats. A clouder? A clutch of chickens. Ooh. A coalition of cheetahs. Cheetos? Of cheetahs. <laughs> of the feminine version of Cheeto. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cheeto and Cheetah. I don't know if you actually said Cheeto or not, but in my yes. mind, I heard it as mm-hmm. Cheeto. Um, a mob of cattle, a destruction of feral cats. That sounds fun. A flamboyance of flamingos. Mm. That's pretty great. Yeah. A colony of flamingos or a regiment of flamingos. Can you prescribe me a new regiment, doctor? Yes. Here, take this flamingo. Here, this dumbass bird that uses one leg. <laughs> a business of flies, an army of frogs. Arguably, any amount of frog that's more than one, I think of as an army. You're right. Two is a tag team, in my opinion. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, what are those fellas going to do to me? Exactly. I, better st- I better steer clear. Their long tongues? Ooh. Alarming. Yeah. What are you going like... to do with that thing, buddy? But frogs kind of look like soldiers. Like They're kind of <laughs> they're kind of stocky. You know what I mean? They're not muscular, but they're like kind of beefy. I'm taking like a biology lab right now, and our first lab is to watch frogs breathe. Whoa. That's cool. Yeah, but it's also like unnerving. Because because of the frogs? Yeah, because you just- Because of the silence when you guys are watching the frogs. Right, we're just staring at it and it's just breathing. It's just in a box. He's just there to breathe. They breathe through their skin, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's not right. So, a rally of octopi. A passel of possum. I'm going to do rapid fire right now. So, no fun commentary in between. Right. A parliament of owls. A yoke of oxen. Ew. A pandemonium of parrots. Okay, well, that one's accurate. Absolutely, because I think if there was a bunch of parrots, it would 100% incite pandemonium. I'd be going wild as hell. I'd be so excited. All those colors, and and they're probably talking. Right. As I'm yelling to them, they're learning my voice and how to say what I'm saying back at them. Right, and all I could do is put on some Billy Joel, and then they would mimic Billy Joel, and Mm -hmm. then I have this beautiful choir around me. Of Billy Joel of just Billy Joel. surrounding my eardrums. Yep, because I, I can definitely see where you made the connection between Parrot and Billy Joel. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I don't like this one at all. A pod of pelicans. Ew. Like, do they arrive in a pod? Pod. I thought you said a pot. No, a pod. Way too big for a pod. A pod. I don't know. A pod. pod. <laughs> a pod. <laughs> a mischief of rats. Yeah, I like That's that. That's quality. A crash of rhinos. That's badass. Yeah. A herd of sea urchins. <laughs> Shiver of sharks. A squabble of seagulls. A dazzle of zebras. Ooh, yeah. I like that one. Now, you've heard of murder of crows. Yeah. What about an unkindness of ravens? I mean, that's accurate, too. Yeah. Ravens are bitches. That concludes the veneries. Kaylee, I can't help but notice your voice sounds a little bit hoarse. Are you sick? Uh, I did catch a little bit of travel grog. That little <laughs> you get after traveling. Yeah. yeah. The smell of your own feet in that cabin of the airplane got everyone sick. Right, including myself. I done goofed. 
I actually wanted to do a science corner because uh, every time I'm sick, I get wondering about sick things. And this one I thought I would share because I think other people might have an interest in it as well. So let's dive in. To the science corner. Science is cool and today we are cool. I was wondering, those like salt water, like neti pots, why do they help other than flushing out all the the boogies and stuff? Why does it actually soothe the sinuses? Like why can't you just use regular water? And the answer is actually more interesting than the question. <gasps> Isn't that the case for most questions? Uh, like the answer is always going to be better than the question? Because uh, the question so. isn't good. The questions aren't good. Well, sometimes questions like, pose more questions than the question itself. Well, sometimes answers pose more questions. Yeah, and that's not a good answer. But So this answer has no questions attached. Yeah, th- this answer is a straight, straight answer. And it's interesting. I well, th- I think as a, as a science person. What are we talking about again? Salt nose? Yeah, salt noses. Wait, so wait, explain what a neti pot is. Uh yeah, yeah, a yeah. A neti pot. A neti pot kind of looks like a small kettle. It's like a plastic teapot. Yeah, essentially it's like a small looking kettle. You get some salt water and you warm it up a little bit so it's not too hot, it's not too cold. And you put it in one nostril and you tilt your head to the other side. So if I'm putting it in my right nostril, I would tilt my head to the left. And the water would travel through all my sinuses and it would come out through the other nostril. This, I feel like I've tried it a few times and it's really hard. Like, I don't know if I'm just stupid, or if I have weird sinuses or what, but it always yeah. like hurts. It feels like I'm drowning. I'm convinced that neti pots started as like a torture device. Yeah. And they found out like, oh, they're do- they're getting better. These right. torties victims it's, are getting better. I don't know. You just feel like you're drowning. Like, and for me, it always goes <laughs> out, my, out of my mouth. Some people swear by it. My dad uses it all the time. And it does work, and there's a reason for it. Some people had the misconception that it was because it was, like, flushing out the bacteria. That's what I would assume. Right. But it actually doesn't have anything to do with this. Bacteria is always going to be present on any surface of the body. So flushing out bacteria isn't really going to do much of anything. It's Bacteria is still going to be there. The saline, or salt water, that's used is hypertonic, which means it has a concentration greater than 0.9%. I thought you said this answer didn't have any questions. <laughs> It's a weird concept. It's a, you know, science concept. So, like, I know it, but like, I'm smart. But, like, to the, I'm shit out of to luck, the normal person, I can yeah. see how this is confusing. It, it was, like, hard for me to grasp at first. but She's trying to be humble. <laughs> uh, so, the saltwater solution. When this comes into contact with the mucous membranes, fluid moves from the area with less sodium, the body, to the saline in an attempt to equalize the concentration. But basically, salt moves from the body mm-hmm. to the salt water that you're flushing through. So you, I have, <laughs> am, I, am I sick because there's salt in my body? The salt contributes to inflammation, which was what I was going to uh, explain next. So, I apologize. <laughs> so basically, the moving of ions from your body. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ions? So ions, which are basically elements on their own. Sodium chloride is table salt. So like sodium by itself would be an ion. The ions move from your body to the fluid. When that fluid leaves your body, it reduces the inflammation because it's no longer holding up so much space in your body now, you know? Right. And it helps because with a cold, you're not sick from the cold. It's just from your body's inflammatory response, not necessarily the virus or whatever that's causing it. It's just from your body trying to fight it. That's why cold medicines work. It alleviates your symptoms by having a decongestant or, you know, pain Mm -hmm. relievers, whatever. 
you can't get rid of the cold, but you can make the symptoms better, which is essentially what this is doing too by reducing the inflammation in your little nose passages. Nose ways. The booger tunnels, if you will. Right. That's why like massaging your face can feel amazing or like putting a hot cloth on your face. We're entering fall now. Right. Flu season's right around the corner. Cold and flu season. Oh, boy. I'm going to get a cold very... I'm well, probably going to get cold from you. No, I'm pretty much over it. Okay. I don't feel shitty anymore. I feel fine. Well, you look shitty, so... Thank you so much. So when the upcoming fall season rears its ugly head and you get a cold, you can use a neti pot because it yeah. actually does work. There's science behind it. It's not just a old wives' tale. It's not just water. It's salt water. <laughs> Move all those ions around, shuffle them up like a deck of cards, and throw them out like a magician to the audience instead of your nose. Yeah. <laughs> that was an analogy. Uh, so, Tinderella, are we doing that? Yeah, you know, um, all this science is making me horny. Let's take a look at some Tinderellas. That was a beautiful segue. Thank you. In case you're new, just to be safe, in case, in case you're new... <laughs> Tinderellas is a segment we do where we find the worst bios from Tinder. Or just entertaining ones. Yeah, just bizarre ones. We usually come up with nicknames for them. No identifying characteristics like where they're from or what their job is or anything like that. So if you hear your bio, no one knows it's you except you. Probably change it, you weirdo. Yeah. Add more emojis. (laughs) That's probably what it's missing. That's how you attract the younger audience. Yeah. Let's be careful. How young are we talking here? We're talking 18. Legal. Woo. Well, now that, uh, now that that's whatever that was, let's get to Tinderellas. All right. Tinderella? Would you mind if I spread Nutella on her butt and ate it? So I'm going to call this guy... He seems like a Stefan. Stefan. That's rare. Stefan to me, yeah. We haven't had a Stefan yet. Here's Stefan's bio. All right. In quotations. Mmm. Hi, other human. Dot, dot, dot. Mm. (laughs) Wanna, like, human with me a little bit? Oh, God. Question mark, unquote. Overeducated. Adventurous. Ambitious. Written 20K plus miles on my bicycle. CEO of my own mini biotech. 20 plus burns. <laughs> all over his body. <laughs> I don't know what that, that's a weird brag. But. 20 plus burns, all third degree. <laughs> I am uh, unrecognizable. <laughs> D&D lover, Polly, kinky ass taking names, race, nice. kitten, class, Whoa. classy, looking to pick up what you're putting down. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Biking to Burning Man in a couple weeks. Hit me up. That was a spiral staircase of bios. You know what I mean? Like I was like, it took you through a trip. <laughs> parts of it was like, oh, cool. And then other parts were like, what? I know. Some of it's like, oh, okay, well, that was weird. Yeah. Kitten um, came out of nowhere. Yeah, the kitten. Um, burns. Class, <laughs> classy. Class, uh, was classy. Just ingenious. I don't know. His bike, 20,000 miles on his bike. On his bicycle. On his bicycle. Yeah. I, I, was, I, I didn't assume it was a motorcycle at all. <laughs> That's like if I was like, I got 70,000 miles on my Toyota, my Toyota Camry. Camry. <laughs> Just so you know, I've been to places a lot. Also, I've got 20 plus burns all from my Toyota. Yep. It is dysfunctional. See, I feel like the hook is he gets undressed and he's like, find all 20 of my burns. You got to find them. That's the trick. This burn, what what was this once? Was that a navel? 
No, I'm not sure. You have to go around like an I Spy book, and you have to find each one. I imagine they're very one. large burns. Like when he gets naked, you see the burns immediately. There's not much looking. But I mean, 20 burns also doesn't mean much. You can have one giant burn. I feel like I probably have 20 burns too. Like I've gone through life. 20 burns? I've cooked. That are still there? I've cooked things. I have one on my neck that people always mistake for a hickey. That's not a hickey. It's the devil's hickey. It's actually a kind of a funny story. I'll, I'll tell it because um, you're so interested. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Setting the mood. It was 7th grade. I'm, seven eighth grade. Yeah, seven, seven eighth. One, one of the two. I can't remember. Seventy eighth grade. Seventy eighth grade. I was four hundred and twelve. I'm a loser. I have no friends. I get invited to my first boy girl party. There's a bonfire. Oh man. There's boys. There's girls. And there's you. There's me <laughs> <laughs> hiding in the woods. <laughs> so this girl was straightening my hair. It's like a girl. Huh? Do your hair thing. It was one of those really high-tech hair straighteners at the time that went up to, like, fucking an outrageous amount of degrees that no one needs to put on their head. It just was, like, a novelty. Like, this reaches 700 degrees Fahrenheit. Just a hair eraser at that point. Yeah, right. So she's, like, straightening my hair, clamps it right on my neck by accident. Like, goes goes to grab hair and just clamps it right on my neck. she pinches it, like, with the clamp. Yeah, she, like, pinches my neck skin. Doesn't realize it, and it's so hot that it charred my neck. Char, like what do you mean? Like what color was it? It was black, like black Ooh. char on my oh. neck. Murdered my neck. Black. Yeah, it was like black, disgust, smelled horrible, like burnt skin, obviously, because oh it burnt my, my skin. God. Yeah, right, yeah. But anyways, it looked repulsive the next day. All blue, black, God, it like so it bad. hurt so bad. And my mom picked me up from the party the next day. She's like, why is she, why are you going sees, through necrosis? Right. <laughs> well, she <laughs> sees this blue-black mark on my neck, and she's like, is that a hickey? <laughs> <laughs> is that the most intense hickey ever made? Yeah. And I was like, I got burned with a straightener. <laughs> and she's like, no, just tell me. It's a hickey, isn't it? <laughs> nice, this nice is your lie. first boy-girl party, and you're going to tell me you were burnt? That's what that is? Uh, you tell me that fire turned your skin black <laughs> right? and not a boy's lips? And I was like, no, really, like it's charred. So now I have a scar from it. It's not so much noticeable now as it used to be. Now if you look for it, you can see it. Right. Stefan would find it. Stefan would find it, for yeah. sure. One last Tinderella for you. Yeah. Uh, let's say this girl's name is Patty. Ooh, I don't think we've had a Patty. Eh. We've had Patty energy, but not a Patty. For sure. We haven't had someone christened Patty. Right. Patty says, I got hit by a car when I was three. I traveled to Europe. I can do the worm. That's all you need. That's all you need. (laughs) She's the full package. I can't even even think what to say about that. Right. I can't date anyone who doesn't know how to do the worm. Right. And And also who wasn't hit by a car. Right. And did that improve her ability to do the worm? (laughs) Well, so that's Patty. I don't. I, I think that's uh, simple and sweet. Straight to the point. Boom, boom, boom. Hit with a car. Can do the worm. Lawsuit. I paid for my European vacation with that lawsuit, and now I celebrate by doing the memory of that European vacation by doing the worm. Boom. I know her. I can see into her soul. Adventurous, funny, minal spine dysfunction. Minal spine. <laughs> minal spine. <laughs> the doctor says she has some minal spine. Shit. So speaking of being maimed, uh, sliding into first base with this main segment tonight, yeah. what's up with, uh, what is our segment on? What would you call this? Murder? Death? Blood? Well, let me, let me tease you a little bit. Okay, tease my hair. Let me tease you with this question. 
Do you think it's possible to change who you are? Are terrible people destined to be terrible? If you have urges to kill people, does that make you a bad person? And can you change that about yourself? Or do you think it's inevitable that they're going to kill somebody? Well, if you just don't kill somebody, you've changed it. But But have you? But have you? That's the thing. The issue I've always had is if someone is a terrible person on the inside, absolutely irredeemable, but they never do a bad thing. Are they a bad person? I would say they're a good person. They have to work harder than the good person to do good things. They're actively choosing to be a good person, even though everything in them tells them to be bad. You didn't let me finish. They're in a coma their whole life. They want Ah. so bad to kill. They just physically can't. They're restrained by a coma. Right. There's veins going off in their head. They're just, they're shaking a little bit. They want to kill, but they're comatose. They already got their karma. But it happened before they killed anybody. But the intent was there. What are you, God? If they were going to kill somebody, maybe the universe put them in a coma so that they wouldn't do that. And cancer would be cured by someone they would have killed. Boom. Whoa. He killed Dr. Cancer, the man who cured cancer. It was named after him retroactively. Right. Uh, (laughs) um, So the topic this week, I think I picked or you picked, I can't remember. It's been so long. was about murder cases. So murders are interesting because the motives behind it, right? You know, like Mm -hmm. what brings someone to do these horrible things? Were they pushed to be this way? Were they always this way underneath? You know, like it's an interesting like psychological thing for me. Yeah, I don't know. I think the case of morality, psychopathy, and all that stuff is interesting and also like terrifying to work that puzzle out. Who is good? Who is bad? How can you tell? Right. Anyone could become a murderer you know? if the right circumstances happen. How do you trust anyone? That dog of yours? I was just gonna could say my. Do- I was just gonna say my dog because my dog is sweet, but he bites all the time. Now he doesn't like attack bite, but when Kaylee came over. He was definitely biting her significantly, <laughs> but if he's lived his whole life so far just pretty much biting, is my dog a bad person? He's right. not a person, but is he bad? Well, I mean, he's also a puppy. That's and no excuse. He got excited when he saw me because who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Just want to nibble yep. on this? Mm-hmm. I don't blame him. Anyways, murder. Whoa, murder. Sharing their curiosity to know the unknown. Their tension, their readiness for inconceivable adventures. Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? I want to report a murder. Why would it make a difference to you for a man to get killed by your hand? Sweden is rich in scenic variety. Why didn't it bother you? It would bother the average person. Well, I'm not the average person. You like jazz? Unbelievable. Fantastic. But I tell you, it could happen. So I have the most infamous and the largest mass killing by Sweden. By By Sweden. By the sovereignty of Sweden. (laughs) Insane. (laughs) So I'm going to give you a little bit of taste, some breadcrumbs here and there, and you can do what you will of this. I am a bird... And I am interested in breadcrumbs. Yeah, so here's some backstory for you. Tor, Tor, Totoro. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna just call him by his last name after I say this once. Um, so we're talking about a man here. Tor, Tor Heden. 
So I'm going to call him Heaton. Tor Heaton. Tor Heaton. Uh, probably because he's Swedish, yeah. Um, yeah. He was a police officer in Sweden for nearly a decade. And he was very famous in Sweden for his amazing police service and the contributions he made to the community. As a child, he was extremely intelligent. He was curious, but he was an antisocial kid. But he did excel in school, so... I don't know. He was like me. He was a weirdo <laughs> that just really oh liked books and stuff. Um, right. He had few friends. No one. He was like, Bleh, you know, yeah. you're, you're shy really kid. underselling yourself right now. Oh, I was a loser. Heaton was obsessed with mystery books, and he was determined to become a police officer from the get-go. It's like me. I was obsessed with animals. I was like, I need to know every fact about a zebra. Mm-hmm. I can find and then he's like I need to know exactly how to be a police officer and then I'm going to go around recess and pretend I'm arresting people. That's red flags. Right. That's red flags. Right. When you went to recess and you asked, said I'm a zebra and you would spit loogies at people. Uh, f- and we <laughs> said no Kaylee that's a llama. Actually uh, in recess I would pretend I was a cheetah and I would run around on all fours. I had like a full cheetah fur coat, like you didn't. cheetah shirt. Like no, I had, che- I had no, cheetah. Ever- I swear to God, I fuck you, you're lying. To me I up. did, I did. No. Wait, I wait, promise. Wait, 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 what? What really? Yeah, I had a fur cheetah coat, not real cheetah, obviously, but it was like <laughs> I <would> have- <laughs> that I wore every day. And rare. I had cheetah everything, like cheetah lunch boxes. I would run around on all fours like a cheetah. Are you 100? percent I'm 1,000. Per- no, I'm not. I swear, I'll pinky promise. Do you have right any now. photos from back then? Oh God, no. I erased that evidence as soon as I became cognizant. I was a weirdo. <laughs> Wait, so uh, one second. I'm so sorry. This is like a very important information you're dropping right now. You were, wh- how old were you? And for how long was this phase? Uh, this was elementary school. So probably like first through like third, fourth grade. Okay. So this is a long period of my life where I was obsessed with animals. Very specifically cheetah. cheetahs. And I would pretend I was a cheetah and I would like eat grass and stuff. Man, I don't even. Know if, I don't think they even eat grass. There was just no wildebeest available, so <laughs> yeah, you had yeah. to make do with yeah. grass. But I would like growl and. I'm sure you would. <laughs> Man. That was me. Imagine a little. I don't know. How old are you in, like third grade? Like third grade, you're six. like six. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, like I don't know. I have no idea. Ima- imagine a little six-year-old running around on all fours and. Right. At you. Teacher's like, I got to email their parents soon. <laughs> so uh, unsurprisingly, I had no friends. Um, what? Really? I had one cheetah friend. One girl was also super into pretending she was a cheetah with me. So that was cool. A coalition of cheetah. A, co- you, a coalition cheetah of cheetahs. Girls. Cheetahs. The yeah. cheetah girls. Oh, my God. The cheetah girls. The yeah. Disney Channel original movie. Hello. <laughs> they were technically a coalition of cheetahs. Yeah. But continue. So but Sweden, I, Heden. I, I relate to Heden very much. Heden from Sweden. Heden from Sweden. He was a police officer where I was a cheetah. Similar lifestyles. Antisocial, excelled in school, but had our obsessions about obscure topics. <laughs> um, we're both probably autistic. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> once once Heden went through school, he tried out real police work. He went through the academy and he passed with flying colors, got his badge. He excelled in the academy, unsurprisingly, because he's a genius. And right. he made a lot of fans because he did so well. And people really admired that about him, that he was obviously so dedicated to the police work and what he was doing that a lot of people just fans. Got, yeah. A lot of people, not what like, is, what is Sweden like? Right. Not like fan fans, but you know, like friends and Where colleagues. Where I come from, you don't give a police officer respect. <laughs> right. You answer his questions and you go home. Well, this is also Sweden where That's like right, where... no murders or anything happens because right. it's amazing and beautiful there. Yeah. But he did have a bit of a reckless side. When he was 16, he broke into a local brewery to, st- <laughs> to steal some oats. 
Hell um, yeah. To cover his tracks, because uh, he was so petrified of being caught, okay. he decided to burn the building down. Very low key. Good call. <laughs> to, Good call, Heaton. Yeah, to hide his hide his crime, um, which worked because no one knew about it for a while, or if they did, they just didn't really care because he was so great at police work. Um, excuse that time he burned down a building right. and he stole some. If that's his oats. reaction to like doing one crime, what if he like kidnapped somebody? Burn that person. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Sweden, where it's generally very peaceful. So any sort of violent crime really takes the headlines what time period is this like in the 40s 50s oh 40s and 50s okay yeah so this is like even more when murders are super niche right you know hear about them back then so this was like big headlining news and he was kind of taking care of the string of extremely violent crimes so he kind of became famous in a way in the midst of the terrible crime spree they put him in charge of the investigation where he was able to handpick a squad of officers to find the killer Sweden was so impressed with his work that they held a rally in his honor, despite the fact that he had made no progress in the months he worked on the case. What the so hell? So this is like how charismatic, I guess, the guy is. They held a rally even though he accomplished nothing. It's so weird. This almost sounds like reality is his warped reality. You're, yeah. re- you're reading the story that he wrote where it's like, yeah, kinda. oh, I had so many fans and I've solved so many crimes. They held a right. rally for me for nothing. It's even weirder is that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On the night of the rally, he didn't show up, so that was a big, like, fuck you guys. That's a diva move. Right, for sure. On the same night in 1951... A bag of oats was stolen. (laughs) The murderer struck again. Oh, no. This time, the killer burnt the victim's house down afterwards, which was uncharacteristic leading up to that. Right. Um, The only guy who does that is Heaton. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Heaton, where are you? Heaton. He didn't have nothing to report on this murder. Yeah. However, it now became personal as the victim was his good friend, John Neeson. So he's like real angered now. You know, Neeson's killed. Heaton's like, this is not cool he's now. He's on television. Now Whoever you, you are, killer. Now that you killed my friend, it's unacceptable. This time it's personal. On the night of the murder, Heaton had been with John playing cards at his home. It was John Neeson? John Nees- Neeson. Neeson, yeah. Uh, when the game was over, Heaton left to his dismay at losing the money that they had been wagering. He later spoke about this murder in a press conference where he did press conference press conference where <laughs> he didn't have a whole lot to say. He it was later discovered that Heaton had killed him and stole his money after losing the game. Oh. Up until that point, Officer Heaton or the Sex Torp X murderer had only killed strangers. What was that name again? Sex Torp X Murderer. So is Sex Torp the name of the... I think I like the area. It's short for Sex Torpedo. Sex Torp <laughs> X Murderer. The Sex Torpedo Killer. Uh, desperate for leads, the police force and Heaton hired a psychic. Mm. So no one knows at this point that Heaton had killed his friend, even though he shows up at this press conference, not having gone to the rally for him the night before right. his friend died. Heaton and the killer are never in the same place at the same time. Right. And then he's also like, I have no idea how this happened. This is bizarre. I was just buying some oats. Right. I don't. Yeah, I did see him. But he's then I was in like, ash. and then he died. Weird. I'm crying on the inside. <laughs> so the medium that they ended up hiring because this bizarre murder was, Ugh. you know, psyching everyone up. Psyching, psychic, <laughs> good. Uh, his name was Olaf Johnson, nice. and he claimed to be able to see the killer anywhere in the world by touching objects belonging to the victim. 
Why would you even if that if you if that's not real? That's a really weird claim. Yeah, it's like, a, you're lying about something. Spoiler alert: He couldn't. Huh? <laughs> what? It didn't work out. Yeah. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of backstory on Olaf Johnson. Yes. So he was arguably one of the biggest psychics in the biz. A size alone. Right. The man um, was massive. <laughs> <laughs> so he was actually in an experiment in 1971 regarding the Apollo 14 mission from moon to Earth ESP experimentation. Kind of like what we were talking about in that one episode with Project Stargate. Right. Where you're, exactly. Yeah, like, I forgot what that's fucking called. Where you're like, you put yourself somewhere far away. Astral projection. Astro, it's like astro proje- astral projection. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, he was he was a part of like a very similar experiment where psychics were on Earth and they had to use their powers, figure stuff out about you know moon stuff. Just gotta keep him busy. Johnson was considered the most tested, tried, laboratory evaluated psychic sensitive in the U.S. and Scandinavia. Wow. So he was like a so was he from the U.S. A big hot shot. Olaf sounds like it could be Swedish, but Johnson sounds American. It's spelled pretty foreign. Double S. Yeah. Yeah, that's Swedish. Johnson came to the U.S. in 1953 to be investigated by a well-known parapsychologist, uh, Dr. Ryan. Okay, there's a Ryan Institute that deals with uh, supernatural stuff. Uh, I just heard it in passing on a podcast, but I can't well, give there you, you any go. more. Maybe this is what I it is. You, I bet you it's uh, related. Right. So for some 14 years, uh, Johnson was submitted to testing at various ESP testing laboratories. He would sit guessing Zener cards. It's the testing deck consisting of symbols like crosses, squares, wavy lines, circles, stars. So he's by... saying, okay, this one's a square. This one's a squircle. Right. But it's by the hundreds or thousands, so there's lots of variations oh. to these. Can you imagine for 15 years, no one totally believes you? Yeah, right. We're going to test you for 15 years. That would make me just really insecure. They still haven't given me my psychic badge. So he's a pretty... Boy. Uh, yeah, he's a pretty boy. Um, but he's a very like famous psychic. They heard about this guy and decided to recruit him for their murder case. Um, when he was doing the ESP experiments by Dr. Ryan at Duke University, he was caught cheating... In the experiments oh, as well. So he's most notable for his long-distance telepathy experiment during the Apollo 14 mission. The Apollo 14 psychic experiment ended up as a complete failure as well. So wow, most of the things that he did failed, uh, but yeah. he's still famous for him. Like, he kind of got the credit for it anyway. That's is... the case with a lot of psychics. Uh, yeah. They focus on the things you do get right. Exactly. It's more sensational. There's a picture of him holding the murderer's item in this case. The murder weapon. With the murderer standing right next to him. The murderer would be Heaton. Heaton. So, so, he- so Heaton oh is, is the police officer right. on this case, well, but he's of- actually the murderer. And they hired the psychic who said that they he can tell where the murderer is by touching his items. Yeah. So there's a picture of him holding like an axe or something. I can't remember. Right. A murder And weapon. saying he could see him. But he was standing right next to him the whole time. Oh, he's not lying, though. He could see him. Yeah, I thought that was so That's, like, so so embarrassing. Yeah, right? 14 years I've been cheating, and I fucked up this murder (laughs) case. I'm an idiot. But he kept doing psychic stuff. Like, people still hired him and still used him for stuff. You can't stop Olaf. you kidding me? Right. He's famous. Back to Heaton. After John had died, he was killed after the card game. About a year after that, a killing spree. Wait, Johnson died? No, John Neeson. Oh, John. Okay. Yeah. I thought he killed the psychic too. I'm like, this is badass. (laughs) No, no, no. 
Uh, about a year after that, a killing spree started, the worst to ever happen in Sweden. The spree started after Hedon's fiance, Ulla, had broken up with him and his repeated attempts to win her back had failed. So he was desperately trying to make her come back to him. He said, and hey, look how good I can kill. Look how handsome I am. I can provide right. by killing. And she's like, no, you're mean. And he's like, I'm not mean. So he handcuffed her and threatened to kill her with his pistol. Hell yeah. <laughs> called negotiation obviously people found out about this so he was fired from the police force after this so afterwards he didn't stopped at his parents house you know mom I'm, I'm scared hold me except he killed them both and set the house on fire oh goodness so after he killed his parents set their house on fire he then traveled to a retirement home where ula worked oh. and climbed in through a window to her bedroom when he couldn't find her he searched the floor until he found her in the matron's room. He killed them both with an axe, barred the doors, and then set the building on fire. The oh, whole, really? The whole retirement home he set oh, on fire. Oh, God. Yeah, so there's, you he know. He certainly has a calling card, that's for sure. Right, he barred the doors to get outside and then set it on fire. So all the people trapped prick. inside. Everyone's grandparents. Would also die, right. Jesus. There's a lot of different sources with how many people exactly died in that fire in the retirement home some say four some say 50 like that's it, always like that right, right. <laughs> yeah like it varies a lot 12 or eight thousand. so i don't i don't know how many died but one old person's too many right i or actually I will, I will not stand for that yeah so there's at least five dead there may be 50 who knows after the spree, Heaton went into hiding. The police realized that he was the murderer after, you know, his parents and his girlfriend and <laughs> everyone close to him had died. They're like, it's all coming together. It you know, was, fellas. Right? Yeah. So He's they... always carrying around gasoline everywhere he goes. Right. I finally understand. There's always that faint smell of burning skin. I think I'm psychic. <laughs> <laughs> so they set out on a manhunt to find him. They found his car parked in front of a cabin by a lake. Like very... Uh, very end of a movie showdown. Definitely. Found a suicide note in the front seat of his car. So in the note, he claimed that he was only good at tracking other criminals because he himself was a criminal. He explained that he killed... He was the only criminal in Sweden. I know. He was the <laughs> only criminal in Sweden. So I'm he... the best at solving this problem because I'm the problem. And he explained that he killed his parents so that they wouldn't have to suffer for the crimes that he committed. Heaton's body was later found weighted down in the lake. And that is where the gruesome killing spree of Sweden ends. But who weighted him down? There's another killer. Ha ha ha! He forged a, hand, a note, and he, I'm telling you, Heaton's innocent. Right. It's all. It was all. Oh my God! Wait, it's I, Johnson. It was Johnson it the was whole Johnson time. Johnson the whole time. He said, "I can see him because he was looking into a mirror." <sighs> um. Okay, I will be covering the Axe Man of New Orleans. Do, 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 do. Murder? Yes. Blood? Extra, please. <laughs> The story I'm about to sloppily unfold for you, this yarn, if you will, oh, yeah. is one I filled... I floss. Don't... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't even try. Yarn, yarn, floss, floss. I can floss with that yarn. Uh, that improv class really paying off. Uh, they said to just say anything and go for it, and that's, that's what I'm learning. 101... Killers walk into a bar. Bartender says, we don't serve your kind here. Killers say, why not? Bartender goes, because you, you always leave tracks. <laughs> That's fantastic. You, you always leave footprints. 
of blood because you always leave footprints get it guys because killers leave footprints you know like in scooby-doo uh, blood there's no get killers it. in scooby-doo <laughs> thank you improv thank class thank you improv class you know it's weird i've definitely said this before but uh, it really bears heavy on my mind uh murder 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 <laughs> like that's like for such a serious thing I murder mean, i imagine you're just sitting at home watching tv and then a thought arises in your head 100 percent. murder there's one time where i was just over and over in the mirror was saying murderer <laughs> murderer a murderer it's not even a word murder i think murder. It's, a, it's a very <laughs> murder murder it doesn't require much of your tongue or like you know what i mean like right. murder like a seal a seal could accidentally say murder. Right. And if he did, that would cause an alarm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, back to what I was talking about, this uh, murder case I'm going to talk about. This yarn I'm about to spin for you uh, is full of blood, guts, a few red herrings in there. But most importantly, it's got jazz music. I've seen La La Land. Oh, this is just like La La Land. Except it's the Axeman of New Orleans. Ooh. Also known as Norlins, Nolins, or I think that's the only way they say it. <laughs> <laughs> from May 1918, this, we're going way back here. Right. From May 1918 to October 1919, six murders stirred panic through New Orleans, Louisiana, and surrounding communities. Communities. Murder. <laughs> so in total, you're going to hear about six killings. We actually had prepared these notes a long time ago, like a, like a significant amount of time ago. Yeah. So like I haven't looked at these notes in a while. So I'm going to be rediscovering this with you guys. Let's start with the first murder. Joe and Catherine Maggio were attacked in their beds, throats cut with straight razors, and their heads were bashed with an axe. They, like it wasn't cut with an axe. It was just like hit well, with like, like the back he, end of the like, axe. Okay, the, the killer didn't do that great of a job. Hit it with the side of the axe instead I'll of the be pointy real. end. You're going to hear a lot about this guy like chopping people in the head. Doesn't always kill them. Right, okay. These people have severe like open head injuries. Mm -hmm. Not the closed kinds you hear about. Catherine dies of her throat wound because she was cut with that straight razor so severely she was almost decapitated. Joe, the husband, barely survives his injuries. He dies two hours later after being discovered by his brothers. Imagine like being hit in the head with an axe and having your throat cut and then dying two hours later. Right. That's like not good. Nah. That's a bad That's last two hours, right? Definitely not ideal. So here's what the police found at the scene of the crime. First of all, murder. Second of all, uh, they found a bottom door panel of the front door of the house was cut out. So, you know, a picture of a door, an average door has those like two squares etched in the top and like two longer squares, like the panels of a door. Mm -hmm. They found the bottom door panel cut out very, very carefully because the door was locked. They assumed this must have been how the killer got in. However, here's the thing. Door panel, very small. How did killer get through there? Mm. This is what perplexed police. On top of that, they found the axe used. Back then there was no CSI, so you could just leave an axe there. It was like a disposable camera. When you were done with your, when you were done killing, you just left everything there, like a oh, picnic that's in the fifties. So you just don't, littering was not a thing back then. Right. He's he leaves there relieved and with nothing to carry home, which is great. Right. On top of the sawed-off door panel, 
and the axe. They find a pile of bloodied clothes they believe belong to the the uh, the killer. So he had the audacity to change <laughs> his clothes after murdering these people brutally. They also found a mysterious chalk message written outside of Joe's grocery store. That's an important point to make. Joe Maggio is an Italian grocer. Of course he is. In New Orleans. Of course he in is. In the early turn of the century. This is going to be a theme. Um, so, in the neighbor's lawn, they find a straight razor. Uh, and it's the guy's, I believe, some blood on it. And they go, clearly it was one of the murder weapons. Mm-hmm. Turns out that Joe's brother, Andrew, is a barber. And that was his straight razor. Andrew's employee tells police that Andrew had taken the razor home two days prior before the murder to have a nick on the blade honed. Mm. Those are two very fun words, nick and hone. Yeah, I like this. Andrew's fucked. He got ratted out immediately. That's a terrible alibi. So Joe's brother Andrew becomes the prime suspect. Here's Andrew's story. May 22nd, 1919, Andrew Maggio received a draft notice. And in response, he went out and drank heavily. Also, great start to an uh, mm-hmm. alibi. Honest. So how building layouts, especially in New Orleans and these old cities way back in the day, worked out, a lot of stores had apartments in the back where the shopkeeper lived, like their house. And so for the Maggios, Joe and Catherine were the married couple. They owned the store together. It was Joe's grocer. Joe's two younger brothers shared a room adjacent to Joe and Catherine's bedroom. Okay. The back door of the grocery store that leads to the apartment, that's where the panel was cut out. That's where the murder happened. Mm. And that's where, you know, the husband and wife slain brutally with an and, axe and, and a straight Andrew razor. And where? Andrew oh, he was, was getting, getting drunk, drunk with yeah. Jake. Ah, right. They come home to the room they share. They pass out. Mm-hmm. At 4 a.m. on the 23rd, Jake was awoken by a groaning coming from behind the wall that divided Andrew and Jake's room from Joe and Catherine's room. Jake knocks on the wall to check on them, which is a weird thing to do. Gotta do that knock. There's no answer. Jake then awakens Andrew from his drunken slumber, and the two go to check out what's going on. Upon exiting their bedroom, they notice signs of a robbery. The door panel's cut open, panels on the ground. There's a chisel on top. When they reach the couple's bedroom, Catherine was dead and kind of on top of Joe, who was slowly dying. Mm -hmm. Joe was barely alive, suffering from severe head wounds. The brothers called for the police, but Joe was dead before the authorities arrived. Because back in those days, you just kind of yelled at the police. Help! Police! Police find a pile of bloody clothes in the bathroom and the axe, and they find the straight razor, and they're like, hey, Andrew, what's going on here? We heard this is your straight razor. Jake and Andrew are questioned by the police. Jake is released. Andrew's held for questioning for uh, a while. Now to that message that was left outside the grocery store. The chalk message found a block away read, Mrs. Maggio will sit up tonight, just like Mrs. Tony. This is written on the sidewalk in very poor handwriting. (laughs) So Andrew's story does not play well for the police. He was drinking. The razor belonged to him. The axe was part of the household, like it belonged to the house. Mm -hmm. So he would have known where it was. This is what the police are figuring in their heads. It was a murder with no robbery. And also on top of that, Andrew's story keeps on changing because he was drunk and he can't get his story straight. So Andrew eventually is released after a lack of development. That's the first murder. All we know is that a couple is slain. There's a, a door panel chiseled out, an axe left there that belonged to the residence, pile of bloody clothes, and that weird cryptic message about Mrs. Tony and Mrs. Maggio. Right. So here's murder two. This was a Polish guy, not Italian. You'll see a big trend with Italian 
victims in this. Ah, so he's racist. Maybe not. He's being diverse here. It's a Polish man named Louis Bessemer. So Louis Bessemer and Anna Lowe, they're attacked mm-hmm. in their home. Same kind of thing. There's an axe and all that gory stuff. They were discovered one morning as a baker that was delivering bread to Bessemer's store. Bessemer owns like a produce store. He would always deliver bread like this on a schedule. The baker is greeted by Bessemer, who is covered in blood and claims to have been attacked. He brings the baker to his bedroom where Bessemer's quote-unquote wife, he calls her his wife, but really they were unmarried, uh, is on the bed with a bad head wound and she's still alive. Baker calls the police despite Bessemer's insistence on calling his doctor instead. (laughs) The police find a door panel missing, a bloody axe that belonged to the residents, and no valuables were taken. Just like in the Maggio case, there was no signs of a robbery, just a crime of axe passion. We got a serial killer, folks. The police were kind of stumped. They couldn't nail down a specific culprit. Anna Lowe, the, the uh, mistress of Bessemer, would go on to die from her wounds weeks later. Hmm. Before her death, she gave multiple accounts of the attacks. The first account, she said that she was attacked by a man of mixed race. Her second account said that she had been attacked by Bessemer, who was a German spy. And police found letters in various languages uh, in, like, I think Bessemer's briefcase. And it's possible that Bessemer was a spy, but it was never investigated further. Anna's third account, uh, it was Anna's final account, it was something along the lines of a large white man with a hatchet came in and did that to us. So Bessemer lives, Anna dies, we've got three people dead, one person attacked. Hmm. Incident number three. A businessman, Ed Schneider, comes home one afternoon to find his wife, who is pregnant, like nine months pregnant, on their bed with a pretty serious head wound. Ed rushes her to the hospital, and the wife survives and successfully delivers the baby a week later. Everything's cool. Nothing too messed up about that. Mm -hmm. There's little recollection on the wife's part. She had been attacked in her sleep. That'd be terrible, like waking up. Yeah, waking up. ah, Splitting headache, literally. Uh, she'd woken up to see a man standing over her bed with an axe swinging down at her face. Police found no hole in the door, no valuable stolen, no male victim, which was the case in both previous ones, and no connection to a grocery store. Hmm. So they're thinking this might have been a copycat. Right. Run in the mill, random assault. Police even questioned whether an axe had been used at all. But murder three, incident four, more similar to the previous attacks, there's a man named Joseph Romano. Now, Joseph Romano is an older man. He's an older Italian man, mm-hmm. which fits the, the profile. And he was discovered by his nieces. His nieces had lived with him. They, they had heard a loud thumping from outside of their room, and they found Romano with a severe head wound, asking them to get help. Romano would die two days later from his wounds. I got to say, this guy is like an axe killer, and mm-hmm. like he's doing a terrible job. This is the second person, third person, to die later. Well, it seems like he doesn't actually—he doesn't have the intent of killing them. He just wants to chop them up a bit. Something like that. You know, I just want to hit someone I just with this. Huh. Yeah. Right. I don't care what happens. Pokey end and not pokey end. I just want to hit someone <laughs> yeah. with this. He's been using the wooden end. That's yeah. what it is. Shit, man. Um, so this old man Romano—he's looking mighty rough. His nieces are real scared. They call the police. Romano dies two days later. One niece gives an account claiming they had walked in as the killer was fleeing the house. And she described him as, quote, tall, dark, heavyset, wearing a dark suit and a black slouch hat. A slouch hat's those old kind of 1950s, like a poor man's fedora. Picture that. So you've got this very tall, heavyset man with black coat and like a very mysterious, essentially. And just like the other crimes, the door was chiseled out. The panel, same panel of the door chiseled out. Mm-hmm. And there was an axe that was left there. So after this attack, this is the when. The whole neighborhood gets rid of their doors. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> Come on in. Just do it quick. Uh, no, but after these attacks, this is when people were like, okay, it's officially a serial killer. This, right. is, a, this is a thing now. Many Kill people reported- Kill one person. Kill two people. Kill three people. I'm scared. I'm scared, boy. <laughs> So I guess really um, there was a conspiracy even then at that moment that the killer was specifically targeting Italians. Well, I mean, when it's exclusively Italians and it's like five people, it's a good assumption. Yeah. So especially in the Italian neighborhoods, uh, people were anxiously reporting suspicious characters and men of Italian households were said to stay up late at night guarding their families with guns and whatever. Super widespread paranoia. And then the mythology of the X-Men starts to take shape and... um, because the people start to develop the mythos of this axe man, the police start to fear, okay, there's probably going to be more copycat murders now. Hmm. Months pass, nothing happens, and then a murder springs up in Gretna, which is a town just east of New Orleans across the Mississippi River. So murder number four. This is a really weird name. I don't know how to pronounce it. Irlando. <laughs> it's Orlando with an I in front of it? Ah, Irlando, my Ir- favorite. Irlando. <laughs> Ir- Irlando Giordano mm. hears screams from his neighbor's house. He discovers the Cordomiglia family, and they're in pretty rough shape. The husband, Charles, was unconscious, and the wife, Rose, was injured and holding their two-year-old daughter, Mary. Mary had been killed by an axe blow to the head. This guy's killing two-year-olds. It's hard to not kill a two-year-old. A spiky end of X or not. Gonna quote you on that one. Uh, <laughs> according to Rose, the family had all been asleep in the same bed, which is, is weird. Ah, uh, poor. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's probably true. Uh, in the same bed when the killer attacked. Both parents survived with like significant skull fractures, which is terrifying. They're both taken to the hospital. They both recovered. But when Rose recovered, she named her attacker as the neighbor who discovered them, Irlando Giordano. Hmm. And so both Giordano and his son were actually business rivals of Charles Cordomiglia, the husband, who was an Italian grocery store owner. Mm-hmm. So you got this rivalry going on. I believe uh, Giordano is like Cuban or something. I'm not sure. But there is some conspiracy as to whether or not the cops got a coerced testimony out of Rose Mm -hmm. to say, hey, it was your neighbor, right? Let's just make it easy. He found you there. It was convenient. There's a theory of that. So the Charles mystery. Some sources claim that Charles disagreed with Rose's story. And a few accounts say he divorced Rose following the trial. Mm. So police found at this crime scene a hole in the door chiseled out. Again, no valuable stolen and a bloody axe that belonged to the residence. Police also determined that Giordano, who was well into his 60s, would not have been strong enough to have wielded the axe with enough power to overpower the entire family. And his son was too large to have crawled through the break in the door. A very chonky son. So regardless, both the father and son were found guilty based on a testimony from Rose. Giordano got life. His son got the death penalty. Years later, Rose confessed to falsely accusing Giordano and his son. Luckily, this happened before the son was executed. Oh, good. So it's kind of nice in that sense. I mean, a baby was still horrifically murdered. Yeah, Um, but at least the fat kid wasn't killed for no reason. (laughs) Yeah. So March 14th, 1919, three days after the previous murder, the editor of the New Orleans newspaper, The Times-Picayune, received a letter from the Axeman. Oh. The letter was printed in its entirety, in the newspaper. But I'm going to read you the letter now, and it's a very scary letter. Okay. I think it's my favorite part of the story is this letter. Now, this letter was sent to both the Times-Picayune and the New Orleans Police Department. It reads, Hell, March 13th, 1919. Esteemed mortal, they have never caught me, and they never will. 
They have never seen me, for I am invisible even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orlinians and your foolish police call Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know who they shall be. I shall leave no other clues except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis, Joseph, etc. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better they were never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise, and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orlinians think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be worse if I wanted to. If I wish, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, for I am in close relationship with the Angel of Death. Now to be exact, at 12.15 earthly time, on next Tuesday night, I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music. And I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, so much the better for your people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it up on Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou wilt publish this that may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that has ever existed, whether in fact or in the realm of fancy. Signed, The Axeman. Oh God, I hope they find him. There's a lot to unpack there. I feel like... This is what internet cringe lords did oh, before the internet. I, that's probably a really good, uh, yeah, because I could picture him being like, like he took a l- long time to write that. Oh, like that, he, oh he went yeah. through a couple drafts. And he was patting himself on the back the whole right. time. Time to head back to my Tartarus. Oh, God, I'm so badass. Jazz it up. Also, he's talking about how like he will kill everybody. This dude cannot kill anybody. Yeah, right. Natural causes, wounds, and infections are killing these exactly. people. Exactly. He's some scrawny internet cringe lord who wants to Why? kill people but can't because he's too scrawny. I believe, like, the descriptions, he must have been a, a large man. His prey isn't exactly, like, tough. He's killing, that's like, true. men and women in bed. He has an axe, a target in bed that's not moving, and, like, he's still, like, he should be doing great. His, his average should be way up. Can you imagine if nobody played jazz music? Like, that would be hilarious. <laughs> sure, bud. He's like, what are I'm you going to do? Kill anybody. Hit me with the wooden end of your axe. He's all depressed. I'm not going to do anything. Fuck it. I'm going to go kill myself. <laughs> so, according to history and everything I could find, on the night of March 19th, New Orleans boomed with jazz music and nobody was killed. Beautiful. So, hey, people were legit scared that night. In fact, there's even um, a song called The Axeman's Jazz. 
mm-hmm. I think a relatively famous jazz composition that was made for that. So people were like really freaked out about this. People mm-hmm. were playing jazz records in their house. People were going to jazz clubs. Mm-hmm. We look at it now and say that's the most cringy, you know, assuming that's not actually a demon from hell, which I feel like if it was a demon from hell, his murders would be way more badass. But yeah, back then they were like, this is the scariest thing ever. Like we've never seen a bare tit before in public. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, we don't know when a man's killing people. He's going to, he's a demon. It didn't stop after that, though. Incident six. Steve Boca was attacked with an axe while sleeping, of course. Foolish of him to sleep. Right. He was also an Italian grocer. Boca recovered from the attack, but resulting memory damage kept him from offering a really clear image of what happened then. Uh, I think I have it solved. Huh. I think this is a Karen whose coupon expired and they wouldn't renew it at a at grocery, grocery store. store. So she went around axing people, but she had to take her rage out on those grocery store employees who wouldn't renew her coupon. Fucking Karen. They're everywhere. It's Karen. They transcend time. <laughs> they come from the hottest hells. <laughs> exactly. They oh. are the angels of darkness. Go back to your Tartarus, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> God, Karen, go back to your Tartarus. <laughs> So Boca only remembered seeing a man standing at the foot of his bed. And that's about it. <laughs> so police found a hole in the door, a bloody axe in the kitchen, and no valuables stolen. A few weeks later, Sarah Lawman, 19-year-old woman living on her own in New Orleans in an apartment. Because of the axe man panic, some neighbors thought to check on her. They may have heard something, uh, but they found her unconscious on her bed with several head wounds and teeth missing uh, from a serious blow to the face. Similar to Boca, Sarah recovered with little to no memory of the attack. Police found a bloody axe on the property, but no hole in the door. They determined the attacker had used a window. However, the final attack, a murder. (gasps) At night, Esther Pepitone awoke to sounds of a struggle in her husband's bedroom. Separate bedrooms, it must have been rocky. Uh, Who am I to judge? She came in to find her husband, Mike, unconscious with the attacker fleeing the home in progress. One of their children called the police who found an axe left near the back door, which had a panel chiseled out of it. Esther was reportedly strangely calm, claimed to see two intruders. So her story didn't quite match up with everything else. There's theories that maybe she killed her husband, but those are non-substantiated. So suspicious. That's a weird one because, like, how do you not hear a guy taking out a panel and he, what, he just runs up, axes someone, and scurries away? Yeah. Well, here's the issue, too, is like a grown man typically could not fit through a door panel, which only aided to this idea that what if he really is this creepy thing? So they never found him. <gasps> the X-Man was never found. Because he didn't exist. Because he didn't exist because he was a demon. Right. However, I thought this was interesting. Previous murders in January 1911 to April 1912, it was a string of murders claiming 49 lives in Louisiana through Texas. The killer was called... 49? I know. It's actually insane. He finally learned how to use an axe. Yeah, but this was earlier. So maybe he's getting older and couldn't catch up. At this time, the killer was called the Cleaver by the media. Um, That's way cooler. The Axeman's kind of cool. The Axeman's simple. Um, So... Let's say this was the Axeman, perhaps. In this case, families were brutally murdered in their beds. Again, very similar. At one crime scene, a note read, quote, When he maketh the inquisition for blood, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble human five. And there's five people killed Hmm. at that scene. Just like the Axeman murders, nothing was stolen from the victims' homes. And also in 1911, a string of three unsolved murders targeting Italian grocers which brought people to believe there was like a mafia connection maybe to the Axeman. Okay. All in total, they're saying, well, there's 
The murders by the cleaver, who was possibly the Axeman, several of those were also Italian grocers. So there seems to be some sort of relation there. And I know that at the time in New Orleans, there was a lot of immigration of Italian immigrants. Oh, yeah. A very popular theory is that it was just like a, a local racist. Some good old boy who was like really strong with an axe and maybe not too bright. Right. That didn't like them taking competition perhaps from white grocers, you know? Yeah. The copycat murders were uh, Bessemer and Lowe, I would argue. And then the seventh attack with Sarah Lawman, there's no hole in the door, no male victim. Even the police were like, this wasn't the Axeman. So there's an author named Miriam C. Davis who wrote a book called The Axeman of New Orleans, The True Story. And she emphasizes the likelihood of a mafia connection. It does seem that racism played a heavy part in it with these Italians. Uh, she says that the Axeman was probably a native-born laborer, sick with envy, jealousy, racism towards Italians, because around that time, a lot of Italian immigrants would work labor jobs. Mm -hmm. Around the time of the murders, they were starting to, in large numbers, leave labor positions and yeah. do a lot of grocery stores. And you still see that today. There's a lot of Italian groceries. Mm -hmm. If you're undereducated and you're insecure and whatever, they're the problem. I'm going to take it out on them. Here's my theory. One guy decided to ax some people, yeah. right? And then the rest were all s still first-time killers. They're, they were all one and done. So that's why all the axes didn't always kill people because they were so shit at it. Oh. Right? For all we know, this could have just been one original killer, and then all of a sudden the rest were copycats. Right. And then the letter was just some random Joe Schmo who wanted to take credit for it and just like, oh, I'm going to send in a letter the to the newspaper. That, the letter to me, obviously, I don't think that's the axe man. I think some egotistical douche face for was sure. A like, guy who wanted to scare people. If I were the axe murderer, I would have just killed someone anyway and be like, fuck your letter. That's a good letter, though. Think of the actual killer. Probably not too bright of a guy. Right. He probably reads that if he can in the newspaper, and he probably says, like, oh, this makes me look real smart. Oh, yeah. I'm all maybe, he, maybe he likes it. Because there's a thing with killers and narcissism. Yeah. They, especially with serial killers. They want to be seen. They want to be feared. And they want credit. So if he sees that, he's probably like, oh, boy, I'm... I'm a smart demon. These right. people are scared of me. But also, all the eyewitnesses, the appearances vary on each account. Like, they don't seem to match up other than it's a big fella. Yeah. You know, one said it was like some dark-skinned person. The other said Caucasian. One said it was like mixed race. Right. You know. I, I think that's, again, eyewitness accounts even today are like, you should not rely on them. Well, yeah, but you'd think you But could... I think some prejudices probably appear when they go, oh, mixed race. But it also seems hard to not remember if it was a black or white guy. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, that's maybe that's why they said mixed race, because it was like a tan guy in the shade of his little hat. I don't know. I think it's multiple people. I think it's a demon. That's what I think. God damn it. It's a goddamn demon from the hottest hell. I love that. The hottest hell. The hottest hell. I'm hot as hell. Says the <laughs> Gotta jazz it up. Woo. It's fucking. I can't believe he I'm got your, away with saying that. I'm your hottest black, maybe Caucasian, maybe mixed race, maybe man. Everything rolled into one. You can't quite figure it out. I'm just there. Now it's time to jazz And then I'm going to hit you with the side of an axe. That's, that's what jazz was like back in 1919. No, jazz is it more was like... Just... like... No, nah, it was... Nah. Have you ever seen La La Land? Have you ever seen My Fist? <laughs> yeah, that was it's a very strange murder. Never solved. Uh, Probably never will be. Probably not, because this was what? Did you say the 20s or something? This was before the 20s. There's, it's not going to be solved. I'm surprised it hasn't been like a uh, resurgence. Like some other guy says, I'm the Axeman Jr. 
Uh, well, it's I'm his be baby me. boy. It's me. I'm X. What's up? My name's X. <laughs> I go by X. Prepubescent boys love me. Well, that is, uh, that's my story. That's my story. I hope you like some of that bloodshed. A little change of pace for us. I liked it. If you guys enjoyed it, make sure you let us know and give us some feedback. Or if you have any murder cases you'd like us to discuss or any other fringe topics of interest, you can email us at according to an idiot at gmail.com. And we also have a Facebook and Instagram at according to an idiot and a Twitter at idiots accord. Uh, Jeremy, before we sign off, what's your good vibration? My good vibration is jazz music. Ooh, that is a good vibration. And so help me God, if all these listeners aren't jazzing it up tonight, I'll be passing over. And I, I'll murder them. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. I'll kill you guys, okay? You're going to sit awake upset in your bed. Upset in my Tartarus. There you go. And I'm going to be like, I don't hear jazz music. <laughs> my good vibration yeah, what's yours? is beautiful scenery, of course, mountains and forests. That's my favorite place to be. Like Vancouver. Like Vancouver. Like <laughs> Victoria. Did I mention I went to British Columbia? British Columbia. Yeah, my good vibrations is Canadian tuxedos. Yeah, all denim all the time. Hell yeah. Don't get at me unless you look like Justin Timberlake or Britney Spears and that one award thing they went to and they were I, in I know, all denim. I know the, the image you're referencing. Thank you. It's a very narrow reference. Some people will get it. Some people some won't. Some people just won't. And you know, I'm not going to explain it because I want the people that get it to feel special. I want you to Google Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake denim now. And I want you to envision me as Justin Timberlake. And me as Britney Spears. <laughs> All right, thank you guys for listening. I love you all so much. Uh, stay spooky if we're still doing that sign off. Yep, stay spooky and jazz it up. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>